Herald and News. Herald and News, your news now. Herald and News. Empowering the community. Basin Views. Herald and News, your news now. Klamath Falls, Oregon. Herald and News. Podcast. Empowering the community and serving the Klamath Basin. This is the Herald and News Basin Views Podcast. Greetings and welcome to Basin Views, a Herald and News podcast featuring interviews with local experts discussing issues important to the Klamath Basin. I'm Kurt Lidke with the Herald and News. This week, we are joined by a trio, the team behind Joma Films, Gary and Annie Lundgren of Ashland, as well as Louis Rodriguez, creators of the film Phoenix, Oregon, which was shot last year here in Klamath Falls. The film is now making its Klamath Basin debut tonight on Thursday, May 2nd at Pelican Cinemas with two screenings of the movie. Gary, Annie, and Louis, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to join us. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rick. Thanks. <laughs> well, first, I want to get into a little bit of personal background to get to know our guests before we really delve into the film and, and everything about it. So let's start off uh, with Gary. Uh, a little bit about yourself, please. Well, I, uh, I, ever since I can remember, I loved movies. Uh, I was a big movie fan, even as early as 12, 13, 14 years old began making Super 8 films, uh, and uh, yeah, it, it just stuck with me. I was a cinemaphile in high school, and uh, didn't become real to me until college when I realized that, hey, I, this is something maybe I could pursue to try to do. I was an English major in college, uh, and you know, was loved storytelling and loved movies, so that's when I, uh, after I got my English degree, uh, I applied to film school and went to film school in Pasadena at Art Center College of Design. And yeah, the rest is history. It's been a long road of, of working in the film business in one form or another. Fantastic. And Annie, yourself? Uh, well, I grew up not too far from here, actually, in Northern California over in the Scott Valley, which is um, west of Wairika, uh, Fort Jones, Aetna. And then... Um, after high school, I went to college down in Santa Barbara, and that's where I met Gary. And I've always been a big fan of movies and reading um, in all forms of art. And I also like organizing things ever since I was little. So that was a good fit for me as a producer. And we just started making movies together right away, um, short films first. And then that, that grew into developing our company, Joma Films. And uh, Louie, how did you get involved with all this? Yeah, so I'm from Southern Oregon, uh, born and raised. I've always loved movies. I've always wanted to be a filmmaker, an actor. Um, I studied a little theater in college and kind of dabbled in the idea of, of um, creating films and getting into that. It actually wasn't until um, Gary and Annie moved to Southern Oregon and re really set up the Joma Films platform that... Um, you know, I started getting really involved. Once I found out that they were around making feature films, I was like, let's do this, let's go. And so um, just through a series of really fortunate events, um, I ended up connecting with Gary. He cast me in uh, Redwood Highway. Um, we started becoming friends. Um, I started working with Gary and Annie from, from then on some small projects. And so um, I'm really excited to be here with them now. You know, it's been a great journey. and. And uh, I'm very thankful for them, you know, setting up at this, you know, awesome company here in, in Southern Oregon, yeah. 
So how did the process go in uh, dabbling in films first, going from your Super 8 and, and, and whatnot into deciding that you were going to launch a production company in Southern Oregon? Well, like, we, we were in Southern California for a while. Like, uh, like I said, I was in film school in Pasadena, and I worked as an assistant editor. I was in the Editors Guild, and I was working on lots of big projects, like big movies, working with Academy Award-winning editors, um, with, you know, on studio lots and, and just really getting a good education on post-production and, and the politics of studio filmmaking uh, from the executives to the director to, uh, you know, test screening movies to reshoots and, you know, all of the above and just seeing how, how it worked. And meanwhile, it, uh, we were making small projects on our own, you know, uh, just just uh, bootstrapping small movies. We, we had a short film that, uh, that we made that got a lot of festival attention, and uh, that led to getting Calvin Marshall off the ground. That was actually in Southern California. But we shot it in Ashland. Uh, one of the reasons we shot it in Ashland was because Annie was from the area, and uh, it, it felt like small town America, sort of, and it had a kind of an Americana storyline, baseball, disillusionment, old, old bars, and it just felt like a good place for that, that story to take place. And, and so, it, yeah, it, was, it, it felt like it was overnight in one sense, but in another sense it was 15 years into making before, before Calvin Marshall got made. So Calvin Marshall was your first official film under the Joma Films title. Uh, now about 10 years after the fact, right? Still, still going strong at this point. So what other projects have you done since Calvin Marshall? Well, the film uh, Louie mentioned, uh, Redwood Highway, we made a film with uh, Shirley Knight and Tom Skerritt. Um, it, it, it was a, a story about a a, a woman who kind of goes AWOL from her retirement community and walks to see the ocean because she hadn't seen the ocean in 45 years. So that was the story. Uh, that was a film we made in 2013. And then um, then we made a little sci-fi thriller. It was really more of a noir film called Black Road. Uh, so yeah, four films in 10 years, not too bad. In between, we're doing commercial work and you know, helping other people make their films in one, one form or another. But those are the four features we made. So for all of the Joma projects, are they script to screen entirely in-house? No, they're all very different. The first one, Calvin Marshall, which we put together in L.A., we put together with another production company there, uh, some friends of ours. We had um, a, a company. And then um, we financed that, you know, with them. And then Redwood Highway was with a production company up here that approached us to do that. It was Jimmy Twyman's company, so he was one of the other producers on that, um, along with Gary Cout over in Ashland. So that was a group of people. And then Black Road, that was one where Gary and I really wanted to, to see what we could do with um, just under the Joma banner and make something very small and just test the boundaries of, of what we could do. And we did uh, a lot of local um, executive producers came on board for that, and so and we did some crowdfunding, so it was a real locally based, crowdsourced movie. Terrific. And Louis, when did you partner in 
with, with these two. Uh, you said Redwood Highway was the first project. Have you been working on everything ever since with them, or? Pretty much, yeah. I, yeah, I worked on Black Road, and when um, the development of, of Black Road was taking place, um, you know, when I found out Gary was making the movie, I was like, man, I, I really want to work on this. So there were some opportunities to jump on with some, you know, co-producer credits and whatnot. Um, so I was like, I'm all in for that. I met with Gary. Um, I don't know if you remember. Mm -hmm. We had well, a I meeting. Remember, yeah. yeah. And then we just talked about, like, what my intentions were and so on and so forth. It was a really beautiful meeting. And he just says, um, so what do you think? And I was like, I want to, I'm all in, man. And so we and we had a wonderful experience making that film. It really, I think, set a really beautiful foundation for what we were able to do with Phoenix, Oregon. Um, just you know, the ability to take the budget that we had then, and to essentially like smooth sail through a production that we felt really great about and have a, a you know a nice product at the end, um, really allowed us to be confident in going into um, into Phoenix. So. With every independent production and when you're working on a small team, there's a lot of hats being worn at, at once. The three of you together, have you kind of carved out your own little niche for what each of you does, or is everyone's job title miscellaneous? Yeah, I think there, there definitely is. I mean, you know, one of the things when you're making a, you know, a small film, when you don't have a large budget, is that there's a lot of, um, you know, I hate to say this, but there's a lot of corners to cut. You know, I mean, just because we don't have the resources. So, you know, Gary's a very uh, visionary director. He's, uh, um, I mean, he's, a, he's an incredible director. And so Annie and I, um, as producers, we really have to kind of, um, n not necessarily that he needs protecting, but in a way protect him and make sure that he's able to stay creative and to really focus on directing. And he doesn't need to know, um, you know, about, I mean, he needs to know what locations we're going to be at because... You know, he needs to arrive there and he needs to think they're cool and he needs to see, you know, the picture in his head. But he doesn't need to know necessarily like what it takes to actually get in there or the hurdles. And so I feel like there is like a disconnect between, um, you know, protecting Gary's creativity and then letting, you know, more of the logistics stuff um, fall on, on Annie and I. Yeah. Well, location, 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 and interestingly enough, your newest film was shot in Klamath Falls. But before we start talking about Phoenix, Oregon itself, I think we need to tell the story of how exactly it came to be shot in Klamath Falls, even though the name of it is Phoenix, Oregon. Yeah, so we, we were wanting to shoot in Phoenix originally. That seemed to make sense. It's always been easy for us to stay at our own house and then, you know, bring any crew we needed to and cast to us. But it just didn't work logistically. Uh, for one, the bowling alleys were, um, they really couldn't close down for us and didn't want to. So then we started a search within six counties, like all the way out to the coast, all the way east, and even all the way up to Portland at one point. And we were looking for a bowling alley that hadn't really revamped to all the real flashy new stuff yet because we wanted a more nostalgic feel that reminded us of bowling when we were growing up. And uh, we looked at a lot of them, and a lot of them were closing down and just weren't right or weren't willing to help us. And then we, we found Hanscom's here in Klamath Falls, and it's, it's just the perfect place. It's exactly what we were looking for in terms of just the artistic 
perspective. And then Barry, you, you just can't beat um, a better partner in Barry Hanscom. He was amazing to work with and just really um, went out of his way to make it a great experience for us. And we shot inside the bowling alley for eight days and, and we had a few days outside too. So we were there for a good two weeks. There were several locations used in the film all around Klamath Falls. There's a, a restaurant, the Daily Bagel, down uh, uh, downtown. Um, how did the various location sites come up, and, and why were the, the certain spots around Klamath Falls chosen? Well, once, once we kind of had our hub of Hanscom's Bowling Alley, uh, Bowling Center, there's this kind of challenge to make sure we're not traveling too far from it because we shot the movie in 20 days so you, you can't waste time and so it became more of let's exhaust all the good locations we can find in Klamath Falls that can uh, that can work for the story uh, and that, it was just a team effort uh, like I we were down here mm -hmm. Well, I made a map, and we went literally to probably every single restaurant and bar in Klamath Falls to find, and we ended up at Italiana's, and Gail Nicholson over there, she just was incredible again in helping us and opened her doors, and we came in and crashed her business for a couple days. Um, so we found that experience to be true all across the board. And speaking about roles that we split up, Louie and I made a big list at the beginning, and we just basically assigned things like, okay, you take that, you take this, and he really was the lead on the locations. So, you know, Gary had a vision, and Louie helped us really find them and then do all the permitting and all the logistics around it. Terrific. Well, not a lot of films have been shot in this part of Southern Oregon. Ashland gets a ton of production done the, these days. Uh, so what was the experience like in terms of community interaction and getting locals involved in the production, working in Klamath Falls as opposed to Ashland, Medford area? You know, I we had a wonderful experience. The production went great from the you know from from the pre-production when we had arrived weeks earlier to the actual shooting. We just had an all-around wonderful experience. I feel that going back to talking about locations really quick, it wasn't like we were just like oh, okay, let's see what we have to work with. These were great locations with amazing business owners. Um, so from that perspective alone, we got off on a great start. Um, and then, you know, uh, one of the important things with the, with the film is obviously, you know, background extra, so you have to have people to make the scene come to life. That aspect was, was pretty incredible as well. Um, we had a lot of people that were excited about participating, and, um, and they would show up and, and, you know, be very enthusiastic and, and really help us, you know, bring those scenes to life that we needed to. Um, and then, this, you know, the city permitting and and so on and so forth. It was, yeah, it was wonderful, man. We had an excellent time out there. I know a lot of businesses helped out, not just in shoot locations, but also in uh, providing hotels and food every day and kind of rolled out the proverbial red carpet for the entire production and the entire cast, right? Yeah. Yeah, we stayed at the Cerulean Hotel, which is operated by Running Y Resort. And yeah, they were, yeah, they were amazing to us. They helped us out. And we ate at Waffle Hut. They had a spread for us every mm -hmm. single morning. Uh, so we had breakfast, and we visited a lot of the local restaurants. Yeah, that was really nice. We were literally getting up in the morning and then just walking across the parking lot, and they had a huge breakfast set every morning, man, the entire time we were here. And that, you know, may not seem like a big deal, but it is a big deal, man, especially when you're on a time crunch and when everybody's just 
you know, kind of, you know, trying to scatter yeah. in the morning. So it was, it was really great. Um, yeah, because you know, on the bigger movies, you see all the big trailers. Well, we don't have that, and they follow you around with food, yeah. and so they always have food whenever you need it. So we have to, we're always having to yeah. come up with it. So having the businesses really partner with us on that was huge. Yeah. So let's talk about Phoenix, Oregon itself. What was the inspiration behind this film? Well. I love this story. I just want to make sure that it all gets included. Is, is that in talking about how Louis got involved with us um, as we started thinking about making our next movie, this story really came about because of these guys' friendship. Um, so you can take it from there. Yeah, you know, I always wanted to make a movie about uh, midlife crisis. You know, re, you know, I like to say that when you're in your 30s, you feel like your whole life is in front of you. And quickly that changes where suddenly it's not in front of you anymore. And just a few years can pass, really, where your your perspective shifts. And now it's like, oh, my God, I'm staring at the abyss now. Uh, and, and so from that standpoint, I, I pictured sort of a lonely protagonist who's working through stuff. At the time I was writing this, I was spending a lot of time with Louis and his family and He's got this great family and extended family and that all like care about each other. And, you know, on the weekends, they're all together hanging out. And, and so I, I got to experience Latino culture up close about just the love and, and, and the sort of relationships that they had together. And, and I think um, it just seemed so cool, you know. And I think, you know, a lot of our families, at least from my experience, or spread out, you know, and you don't see him that much. So it just became this catalyst for the story where maybe this lonely character had a, had a good Latino friend who, who, who sort of was a breath of fresh air in this guy's life. And, and, and so that's where, that was sort of the, the foundation of the story. Uh, could talk a lot more about the story and how it evolved from there, but, but the, the, those two characters are kind of the heartbeat of the the movie. Sure, sure. So it's a comedy that's sort of based around the the concept of a midlife crisis and feeling like you're in a dead end job and just saying screw it, I'm just going to per- pursue passions. So the story without giving it away, the entire thing is uh uh, some friends buy a bowling alley and they feel like they have the world's greatest pizza. And so they're going to combine pizza with bowling and create this whole nostalgic atmosphere for people and chaos ensues, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, I think it's, a good, it's a good sort of t- teeing up the story for sure. I think, I think it's a dramedy, you know, I, 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 hopefully that word doesn't scare people off, but I think it's, it's a human story of real people who hopefully uh, audiences will relate to. Uh, and, and I think there's uh, some nice bits of comedy in it. I, I mean, Ke- Kevin Corrigan gives a wonderfully strange, hilarious performance in the movie. Uh, Diedrich Bader also playing the, 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 the sort of insecure uh, boss at the Italian restaurant. Uh, uh, he, he's funny in it, and, and I think... Um, the, you know, basically walking that line between comedy and drama, I, I find very fun to do. And I, hopefully when people see the movie, they'll, they'll experience that. 
The casting seems to follow a theme with your productions. And with a lot of independent films, you know, you can't necessarily afford the A-list superstar that's going to come in. But every one of your films seems to have a really quality, at least one of those, oh, you're that guy from that one thing, uh, personas thrown into the cast. Great character actors. Steve Zahn was in Calvin Marshall, of course. You've got some returning people who've worked with you in previous projects in, in this one. Uh, of course, Diedrich Bader. Everyone will know him as that guy with the deep voice who was on that TV show. Uh, <laughs> for those who don't know, he was on the Drew Carey show, and he's been in a whole bunch of movies and, and all that. So uh, how do you manage to get these fantastic character actors to join on board with, with uh, you know, independent projects? Well, I I think we our, our team we I think like to say we all have pretty good taste like we know the how many great actors are out there and the kinds of roles they're getting and and there's criminally underused actors out there that could really carry films or carry a whole TV series they're that good that talented and and uh, our partner with casting she's a co-producer on this movie but Christine Sheik's in in LA uh, she, she's cast all her movies uh, she has just great taste great instincts uh, like Steve Zahn was her idea on Calvin Marshall uh, you know she cast Boogie Nights uh, you know Burt Reynolds was her idea in Boogie Nights so it's it's like you need you need a casting director who thinks outside the box and knows those sort of brilliant, underused actors who love to sink their teeth into roles, and uh, and so it's a process. You know, we we talk through it, we make lists, we think about who's gettable, who will work for little to no money. You know, uh, and, and then you, you hope when you send the script they like it. You know, but to get James Legro and Jesse Borrego out here in Klamath Falls in the spring for a month. It's not, it's not easy to do, and so we're very, very grateful. Those are names that you may not necessarily recognize on the late show talk circuit, but when you look at their IMDb DB page, it reads like an encyclopedia. It is incredible the amount of work that these uh, actors have been involved in. So uh, what made the uh, final decision to, to go with these particular individuals, and how did they work out overall in, in the film? Well, I, I think we could all speak to that. I'll say that uh, that we we love our cast in this movie. I think when you watch the film, you'll see how how good this cast is. Uh, and I think it's it's a matter of being you know. So there's a certain amount of luck involved. Uh, I think uh, you know you write these parts and you need you know talented actors to step up. I, I think. Uh, uh, James Legros is always kind of on my mind as playing the lead, and you know we worked with him briefly on Redwood Highway, and uh, you know I, f f to be honest, I was thinking there's no way he's going to be able to come out here for a month for, you know, uh, you know a SAG low budget movie, uh, but luckily you know he he enjoyed working with us, he remembered us well, and he w he really wanted to do it, and he had to move his schedule around and. He actually had to uh, say no to something, maybe something back to make it happen. Uh, f from there. Yeah, and then you know Jesse Brago was actually introduced to us by another friend, one of Louis's friends, and he 
if you watch the movie, his part of Carlos, it's it's a character that has a lot of hope and is always dreaming and always really pushing the story forward and encouraging other people to, um, you know, take risks and go for their dreams. And the great thing about Jesse is that he really is Carlos. He's I like to say he's more Carlos than Carlos. He's amazing. And he's actually either on an airplane right now or on his way to Liverpool in the UK to do a fame reunion. So he was on the fame television series. So in terms of the encyclopedia on IMDb, that's who Jesse Brago is. And he's done a ton, ton of other stuff. Yeah, he was in, he's incredible. I think it's imp- important to note that even though the actors are not, you know, A-listers, like we had talked in the, from the beginning of just getting the best actress possible. Um, and, and again, with that said, that they're not, um, you know, on that A-list, they're actors that are consistently working and, and they don't need to do the movie. Gary wrote a great script. Um, he had a great vision for the film and they wanted to help him tell the story. So mm-hmm. they came in giving 110%. Um, and we felt that, I think, every day on set, and you could see it in the movie. Yeah, and then Kevin Corrigan and Lisa Edelstein, they happen to be good friends of James, and um, so they they came on board a lot having to do with him, and I think most people are going to reckon they will know who Lisa Edelstein is and Dietrich Bader, for sure. They're both on television shows right now. And I'll say to Ray, Ray Gallegos, uh, he is a terrific actor, and he works on nothing but just huge movies, which is yeah. funny. Like, he plays small parts, and, like, he was on Triple Frontier, which is just on Netflix with an incredible cast. Uh, and he actually flew out from Hawaii to, pl- to cl- you know, to Southern Oregon to play for a couple of days and then go back to Hawaii. Yeah. So He went back to hang out with uh, Ben Affleck, dude, on, <laughs> on the set of a, of a major film, yeah. yeah. Well, the film does have a bowling theme, and while there's been some great bowling movies, there's one that always kind of stands above the rest. And I think from day one that you entered into this, you probably thought, how do we avoid being compared to The Big Lebowski? Or do you just openly embrace it and say, hey, we're, we're a bowling movie too, and we're, we're funny too, and there can be more than just one? Yeah, you definitely, you know, there's definitely some insecurity there. But the Lebowski is such an an incredible funny movie with some, you know, iconic bowling scenes in it. I always felt that that this was a, just a different movie, so I felt like, you know, th- there wouldn't be any comparisons probably, and and I don't think there will be. Um, I think our our humor, you know, it's much more rooted in Bobby's story of of trying to get his life together. It's not a straight comedy by any stretch, uh, even though there's comedy in it. I think there's more bowling in our movie, too. Like, I would say perhaps out of all the bowling movies, there might be more bowling in this movie, which is kind of crazy to think about. Because bowling's really hard to film. That's what we learned. But we, we have a lot of strikes on screen, and um, yeah, our actors there's did a, great. There's a tournament. There's a... <laughs> Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, I, th- I think with our marketing, it's it's not just the bowling movie. It's really a movie about these characters and their growth. And it it is funny, but bowling is the backdrop for that story and for their character arcs. So there were local people heavily involved in producing this film as well. I know uh, Ryan Niemi was involved in it and Kim Piper. How did those connections come about? Well, I, I knew Ryan for a while. Uh, Ryan's just this... this amazing person incredibly smart uh incredibly generous i mean he 
uh, helped on Black Road with our, our DCPs at the time, to screen a movie in a theater, you needed a digital cinema package. It was this new thing uh, that, well, you know, forget the film prints had gone away. Because on Calvin Marshall, we screened film prints. Uh, and so he helped me make those f for free. You know, he was just a guy that donated his time and said, hey, um, I know how to do this. I'd love to help you. And so we became friends uh, and uh, and he's just always kind of stayed in the loop. And, you know, when we were filming in Klamath Falls, he, just, he sort of stepped up and, and filled many needs, uh, including donating his warehouse where we, we shot scenes and we stored equipment. Built the trailer. Uh, he, yeah, we built the set, Bobby set there. Uh, you know, he's a producer on the movie. I can't say enough about Ryan. And his dad brought down their bucket truck to use when we filmed downtown so our camera could get up really high. Yeah, they, did, they, were, they were great. And then Ben and Kim Piper, we actually met them at the Klamath Film Festival. Um, I guess it was in 2016, so two and a half years ago only. That's when we met them. We showed Black Road. We had a really great Q&A afterwards, which now I know it was Ben asking all the questions. <laughs> um, and they came up to us afterwards, introduced themselves, and we just started working with them from there. We didn't have a project really yet at that point, but um, kept in touch, and after a couple years, um, after a year, they got involved on this one. And I also will shout out to Klamath Film Group, Klamath Film Festival, Jesse and Robin, who... Uh, who were, you know, great uh, allies here in Klamath for so many different reasons. And I think, uh, you know, there were a lot of MVPs on this project, but Robin actually deserves one of the MVPs. She came in uh, without very, very little experience and worked as a coordinator on the movie. And, and I know Annie and Louie can speak to how yeah, great she, she was. Took a lot of a lot of the tasks off of our plate that we just couldn't do. So she was the art office person for the whole shoot. Well, we used to be in LA and uh, being in Los Angeles, there's something being shot every single day. It's not a big deal. But when you get into smaller communities like Klamath Falls, where filming is really unusual, things can become iconic. I grew up in Eugene and in Eugene, that community is synonymous with National Lampoon's Animal House. Uh, Astoria has the Goonies and Kindergarten Cop. Certain co communities have become permanently connected with certain films that just happened to be shot there. Because so few things have been shot in Klamath Falls, uh, this is, for lack of any other options, perhaps the Klamath Falls film now that everyone will remember and associate the community, which is kind of ironic in that you didn't name it Klamath Falls, Oregon. You named it Phoenix, or Oregon. Is it when you go home to Phoenix? Is there a lot of perturbed yeah. friends yeah. that are angry at you for not filming? It kind of is going both ways a little bit, but I think it's it's turning more into a joke than a perturbedness. Yeah, I, I would say uh, Phoenix, Oregon, is a better title than Klamath Falls, Oregon. That's, that's, a that's the first. To that's say. the first thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is that okay to say? <laughs> I, I think just you got to think of the title of the movie, you know, like uh, what, what Phoenix, I think of Paris, Texas, uh, that, you know, there's, there's a, a number of movies that do that play on words. When I first moved to Southern Oregon, I thought, Phoenix, Oregon, really? I, I was just shocked there was even a Phoenix, Oregon. It, it felt ridiculous to me. Now I'm used to it. But I think outside of the area, it'll, 
it'll take on a new life. Like we're not in Arizona, we're in Phoenix, and these guys aren't in the the quite where they want to be in their life yet. And and I think the 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 town comes off quaint and nice and a perfectly beautiful place to be. So there's there's that aspect too, where I think I think Klamath Falls and Phoenix should should be proud. Yeah, it's definitely it. It definitely still feels like Phoenix. We've had that conversation before, and we had um, Phoenix residents at the world premiere, and they were, you know, they were super happy. They still felt like it represented kind of, you know, the feel of and the vibe of, of where they're from. Yeah. And it, what, what do you, you know, it's not that you don't want to be in the town. It's just that it, we all get to that point in our life where maybe we feel like we're not where we want to be yet. And they have to struggle with that in the film. And then, you know, by the end, they're going to have some kind of resolution to that. It's not, you know, you'll see, you can see when you watch it. It's not like, oh, my gosh, my life's awesome now or anything. It's real life. And um, they've been through a journey. It is fun uh, when you can visit spots that you recognize from a film. When I first moved to L.A., every street corner, I went, oh, wow, that's in that movie. That's in that TV show. After a while, I realized everything has been shot in Los Angeles. Who cares? But in Eugene, decades later, they still talk about the locations where National Lampoon's Animal House was shot. They still give many tours sometimes. There's a little plaque out there. I think maybe in a few years, they'll, they'll be as seen in Phoenix, Oregon, hanging in uh, some of the various uh, businesses where, where you shot. But I, I know Barry at Handscams is really proud of this movie. He saw it and loved it, and I could totally see a poster hanging in his, in his uh, bowling center. And uh, I think many of the locations will be proud to see it. I, I hope that the movie gets enough notoriety where that is the case. Well, plans for the film. It made its world premiere at the Ashland Independent Film Festival. Tonight at Pelican Cinemas, there are two screenings, one at 7 and another at 7.30, followed by a Q&A session. So I do need to ask, how has the reception to the film been so far? It's been really fabulous. We've been uh, very warmly welcomed by all of our audiences, and they've been... Um, I think people are really moved by the film. They laugh during the film. It's a lighthearted... Um, good-natured film, and uh, they're finding a lot of meaning in it and inspiration. And how have the Q&As gone with, uh, with our audiences? What has the feedback been? You know, really positive. Every movie's a little different, and you go through the, the process of sort of passing the, the movie to the world, you know, and it's kind of happening right now, but our initial um, reactions are, are we, we feel very uh, grateful that people are, you know, tracking with the story, caring about Bobby, uh, loving Carlos's uh, uh, performance, and and laughing at the, the comedy bits in it. And I, and I think, um, yeah, like Annie said, people are finding meaning in it, which is the, probably the, the 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 most satisfying thing. Mm -hmm. So what are the plans for the film going forward? Is it going to have online distribution? Or are you going to take it on the festival circuit? Or is that still kind of to be determined at this point? Well, no, we're actually, with the world premiere, we launched a 70-city tour. 
basically. So we're, we're doing pre-tour work right now. We're doing a lot of screenings in Oregon. And then June 13th, we start a 70 city, uh, 50 city at that, uh, 70 city tour all the way through the United States. And then we'll have our last screening in Portland on August 25th. But um, so you know, tomorrow it opens at the Pelican. So it's gonna be playing there for the full week, um, multiple times a day. And the important thing for people in Klamath to know about an indie film is that if you see the film this week, it will continue playing. Um, if people don't go to see it, any indie film, then they stop playing. So, you know, we have a good chance to play for a couple weeks here just because I think a lot of people are interested in it right now. But if you like the film um, for your audience, please tell people about it and encourage them to go see a locally made film and support independent cinema, uh, support really meaningful art house cinema because then the film can stay along, around a little bit longer and it, it helps us and other people get to see it. And then beyond theater now, there's so many avenues for a film to, to live on, um, be it Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime and all that. Uh, if there aren't any deals in place yet, maybe there's some conversations get going on, but opportunities down the line maybe for the, the film to have a, a longer life cycle. Yeah, for sure. We're, we're going to build momentum through the summer, and our plan is to release in the fall digitally. So we do have distribution partners we've worked with in the past, so we'll partner with one of them or a new partner. Terrific. Well, uh, any hints at potential future projects? Because by the time you release something, you're already two down, two projects down the line in terms of concept and scripting and all that. Definitely, you know, I think it's you have lots of lines in the water. I think you know, it's a making a film is it's a team sport, so you you need a lot of allies, and so you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, we we have a, a few different future projects that. Um, can't talk too much about. There's a horror film that, uh, that again, a meaningful horror film, uh, and a series we're developing, uh, and another comedy. So it'll kind of just see organically uh, what what comes along. You know what what hits. You know. So fingers crossed. But it'll be something. Yeah, most definitely. There's always projects in the works. It's just there's so many, you know, variables when it comes to, like, you know, what falls into place. So, you know, hopefully we're shooting something next year, but, well, you know, we'll see. Sometimes scripts can float for a decade around Hollywood before there, there's a bite and it turns into a blockbuster. Who knew? So uh, it's fascinating what happens behind the scenes, almost more so than what happens on the big screen. Uh, that's why you got to love films that kind of show the behind the scenes, like Get Shorty and whatnot, that, that kind of showcase the some of the uh, things you wouldn't expect to go into the process of filmmaking that actually do take place. So sometimes it's a little tr too true to life. I used to work in the music industry, and I remember I'd talked to a lot of musician friends who said they couldn't watch This Is Spinal Tap because that happened to them on tour once or, you know, that's a little too true or, you know, it's that sometimes the parody is a little too close to reality sometimes. But uh, Phoenix, Oregon, produced by Joma Films based out of Ashland, Oregon. It is showing tonight, Thursday, May 2nd at Pelican Cinemas at 7, which is sold out 7.30. I think there may still be some tickets left. Um, both Gary and Annie and Luis are doing a uh, Q&A after the films. 
And it's going to run at Pelican Cinemas for a week thereafter. The film was shot in Klamath Falls, so please go check it out. I'm sure you'll recognize a lot of locales that these fantastic actors were located in. So any final thoughts, Gary, Annie, Luis? Oh, just thank you so much for having us. You know, we're excited for everybody to watch the film tonight and, and later in the week or in the um, next couple of weeks. So. Terrific. Well, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedules, and uh, we all look forward to seeing the finished product of Phoenix, Oregon. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.